Hey, murder lovers, my name is Mackenzie. And this is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Hey, murder lovers, welcome back. Is there anything we need to discuss? True crime? We've been, we haven't done true crime recaps in a while, so. Oh, I don't know. Anything that's happened? Um, we kind of missed our one year anniversary. Yeah. For reasons that were disclosed in our last episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like we kind of flew past that. So we are now one year old. Dude, we are. Thank you. Thank you yeah. to everyone that's listened, that's engaged with us, mm-hmm. that told us we don't suck. Um, you know, Denise, Denise, she goes by the handle like Nisi Cat or something like yeah. that. She sent us a message back in September and was like, you guys feel like sisters to me and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was like... I'm really emotional right now, so I'm crying, but thank you. And it was like, it meant so much to me. Just like things like that, where it's like, I very vividly remember feeling like that about other podcasters that I listen to. And knowing people feel like that about us too is just like so, it's so humbling. It is. And it feels so good. Because that's like our, obviously, intention is to like bring you guys into like this environment that we love ourselves right. and we hope other people love it. And the fact that other people do is like, I'm in awe of it all the time. Yeah. And we are excited for the future. We have things planned. We, we have these big goals. We have, you know, big announcements to come and we have, um, for example, we, we want to take trips. I think what our favorite part about spooky and true crime world is that some of these places are, places we both want to go to and mm-hmm. go to together and um, go into the stories. I know that you've been to the Queen Mary. Yes. Um, but, I, you know, maybe someday we'll go together and do a I, whole story on that. I and... would love to go back to the Queen Mary and do, like, an actual formal tour. Mm. I did not do that the last time I was right. there, so I would love to do that yeah. the next time. Um, so I'm totally on board with that. I know there's places that are local that we want to go visit and then... We were just talking about other possible trips um, that we want to take together so we can look at other spooky or haunted or places where crimes took place because we have that little twisted piece in our head that wants to do that. So we're excited for the next year. So thank you for the first year. Um, Do we sing happy birthday to ourselves? No, because you have to pay for that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not public domain. (laughs) No. What? No. Do you know how much it costs to sing happy birthday on some type of like show or whatever? I remember The View said one time how no much it was. No way. Hold on. I'll tell you. I mean, can I sing the Simpsons happy birthday song? Like, happy birthday, Lisa. They can charge as much as $10,000 no to use that song. way. Yeah. They said that they rake in $2 million a year in fees of people who use it illegally. So we'll not be singing happy birthday on this wow. show. Wow. Yeah. Don't come for me, Warner Music Group, who owns really? the rights to it. That it says really that's why you'll never find a movie that has happy birthday in the movie. The song itself. Ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars? I thought that was public domain. Like honestly. Nope. Somebody owns the rights to it. Super, super interesting. That person is making bank. Yep. All right. So today, I think I already told you the story that I'm doing. Yeah. Or the case that I'm. I'm doing. really excited about this one. I was excited when I finally decided to do it because I was like, I've All been right. waiting. 
I don't know why I've been waiting for you to do it specifically. <laughs> it's because you love her. I do. Like, you love her. And so, like, in my head, I was like, I just, like, we know certain ones are off yeah. limits for the other one. Yeah. And this is one that's off limits for me because it's yours. So, I, so I'm doing a little bit of the life of, and more specifically, of course, the murder of Selena Quintanilla, a.k.a. Selena. So... The singer. Uh, the singer. For all of you who don't know. Yes. And I also, I, this is not confirmed, but I think Selena Gomez's parents named her after Selena. I love that. Yeah. That would make sense. So I'm going to get comfy. Um, this was a very interesting case to research because I think I'm a true crime buff, right? This is me thinking that. Um, not necessarily true. Um, but the way I remembered this uh, was a lot of my own memories about it mm -hmm. and not so much the actual facts and details that I didn't know because when this happened, I was seven years old. See, and I don't remember this at all. The day that, that, the day that she was murdered was March 31st, 1995. I was four. Oh, yeah, you were a baby. So I was seven years old. Um, I want to say I was like in first or second grade and I was in Los Angeles at this time. I was we, actually three. Yeah, you were a baby, baby. I was then. Three, yeah, because I wasn't, my birthday's in July. Yeah. So I remember that, and I love my mom for this um, because it came on in the news really early because it was like 11 o'clock. Texas time. Yeah. And I think it was like nine o'clock our time and a school either hadn't started or something. Depending on daylight savings and all that. Right. Yeah. So something started. I know for sure it happened. The developing news started before or the news broke before I went to school because I did not go to school that day. Aww. I did not go to school. Probably because A, my mom was wanted, wanted to watch it herself and didn't want to walk mm -hmm. me to school. Yeah. <laughs> But then, too, we proceeded to watch the developing news and then the standoff, which I'll get into. Yeah. But I feel like everybody has that celebrity yeah. or that artist that, mm -hmm. like, really, like, it levels them. Like, mm -hmm. for me, I remember when I, the news broke in 2009 that Michael Jackson had oh, died. Yeah. I sat, I was at work. I sat out in the parking lot on my lunch break and I yeah. sat in the car and I cried. Yeah, because it's, we, I think it we was the end of that. an era. It is. Yeah. It is. And then for Selena, you know, it was, yes, an end of an era, but. For you, it era? was so much more, though. Oh, yeah. Because it was one of the first pop stars that looked like you, yep. that sang like you, Absolutely. that spoke your language. Spanish and English. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she was about to break through to the English world. It was someone that you could identify with. Absolutely. And. Not only that, but her songs were catchy as fuck. Yeah. All right? They still hit today. Yeah. I still listen to her songs. And it was something that was played at when I was, and, and this is one of my memories from California, but I kid you not, there was either a quinceañera, a baptism, a birthday, someone got a new dog party, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> a party every single weekend. Mm -hmm. And her songs were always played. Yeah. So I remember I had a tape. I didn't have a CD. I had a tape. So it, it was fascinating for a seven-year-old, like, what? Trying to understand? Mm -hmm. um, I think this is my first, like, 
death memory. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I didn't have, at that point, any grandparents die yet yeah. or anything um, close family or close yeah. friends or anything just yet. So, and then watching the standoff, it was, and this was pre-OJ. Oh, yeah. It was pre-OJ, yeah. pre-Tupac, pre all those things. Yeah. This was like the first, you know, television, every channel that you flip to, this is what was going on. So. Mm-hmm. For you. This for, me, for, for me. For me. Oh, for sorry. our generation. Yes. Millennials. Other people have died before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're like, this is so, the very first one they ever broadcast. Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> because even after, um, and, and I'll get into the case into uh, just a little bit, but even afterwards, um, there was a lot of grief and, you know, grieving and it was the whole community grieving and everyone played her songs. And um, I remember even when, because the movie Selena with Jennifer Lopez mm-hmm. came out only two years after her death, which is really quick turnaround. And I just watched an interview uh, with her dad and her sister. They were being asked, like, what, what made you make that decision to have it be so quickly afterwards? I guess relatively quick, yeah. you know? And they said that they wanted not only the memory of her sensationalized murder be the only memory or the last memory that people had of Selena. They wanted people to get to know her life story, what she came from, because she was still up and coming and not a lot of people other than her media community would have known all those details. So do it while the media is hot. Exactly. They struck while the iron was hot. They did it tastefully. uh, But I, I still remember that the news was spotlighting all the all the auditions when oh. people were auditioning to be Selena there was lines and lines and thousands of little the girls right yeah. lining up to be the young Selena and also lines upon lines of people wanting to be the Selena we knew mm-hmm. to portray her in the film so and of course they went with someone who already had some celebrity Jennifer Lopez just but, a little <laughs> well at that point she only had some really yep this is what catapulted her mm. um into cuz i feel like she had more than that cuz she was a really controversial pick for that role because she was because she had some celebrity for it beforehand yeah. because she didn't have any hit songs or anything before that okay um she didn't have any titular role roles in any movies or anything so it was a little bit controversial mm-hmm. um well and they also had different um technically different backgrounds as yes, far as cultural like, backgrounds yeah. absolutely you know jennifer lopez is <laughs> jenny from the block yeah <laughs> from uh, puerto rican puerto and, rican yeah. and from brooklyn and all that stuff yeah, there was that difference of, like, you're not choosing someone from her hometown, someone that, you know, is having the same cultural background, because to an extent, she was the she was embodying someone who was Selena, was yeah. someone who loved her culture and was embracing her culture into her music. The culture was such a big part of who huge, she was that it was huge, like, let's not thing. compromise on this. It was but. part of her image. It was part of her content. It was part of... Um, you know, her fashion and what she was trying to put out there. It was a mix of cultures, but more specifically, it was that Tex-Mex and Mexican culture blend. Um, So yeah, there was some controversy with who they casted, but at the end of the day, I think 
J-Lo did it tastefully. And, I mean, overall, the film was very tasteful. There was some outtakes that I did not know because from when she died till literally this week when I was doing research, there are some things that I didn't know about Mm -hmm. and didn't even catch in, in the film that they did. And I surprised by how well she played the role and what scenes they took out of the movie because there's some outtakes um, from some, and I'll tell you about the outtakes in just a minute, but they were very careful in what scenes of her life they wanted to show. So all that to say, why I'm doing Selena today, there's, I believe, a Netflix series coming out. Oh, is there? Yeah. I didn't realize that. And we're going to beat them. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they, they have a new miniseries coming out, uh, which is going to be about her life. Um, and I, I think that's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. She, I can't stop saying good things about her, but who, if anyone has anything bad to say, really come at me, let's do it. But I think it's going to be, uh, a longer look into her younger life because uh-huh. she started performing and doing shows and singing from very, very young. Um, although her sh- life was short, but, mm-hmm. um, I think we're going to have a little bit more in uh, look into that. You know what I appreciate about these kind of cases is I feel like so often it's the person um, who commits the crime that gets the notoriety. And yeah. so we don't really get to learn a lot about the victims and things like this. And it's unfortunate that it takes like a celebrity to do that. Right. But it is also nice to be able to see the other side of things where the victim is the one that takes center stage instead. Yes. And I will get into the notoriety because it's inevitable in at least the, the, from my account, the Hispanic Latino community, the person who, the perpetrator of this crime mm-hmm. is done some interviews that are huge uh, in the way that people needed to know answers Mm-hmm. And I was just talking to Kara about this and I said, you know, maybe sh- I, I should go back and, and translate all of our podcasts in Spanish and do a Spanish podcast. But then I, I thought the demographic would be my mom's age. Mm-hmm. And my mom, um, for example, is not very much into true crime or into things like this yeah. or into the podcast. details or podcast. Because um, some of the things are taboo to talk about. Some of the things mm-hmm. you don't, you know, speak ill of the dead or... You know, yeah. don't talk about crime like this. Um, but in this case, everyone was glued to their TV sets because they needed some freaking answers right. to, like, why. There's different speculations, and I'll go into those as well. But um, there were very important key reporters that were allowed to interview her, people that, you know, hold a place in Spanish television and mm-hmm. were worthy, quote-unquote, worthy to speak with her and I'll talk about some of those interviews as well because I watch them now and as an adult mm-hmm. they I caught some things of just nuances that she was talking about and it just blew my mind so okay all right without further ado we will be talking about Salinas <laughs> that was not even planned but it's but perfect <laughs> Actually, I did see an interview that they were asking A.B., her dad, or Abraham, her dad, and her sister. It was like, was that part of the movie true? Yeah. The 
That's anything my favorite for part. Selena's. Yeah. And the dad said, yeah, that was absolutely true. They, their bus, their tour bus got stuck on the side of the road and this little car came by and um, tried to help him out the ditch and his bumper fell off. And he's like, I'm going to put it in my, in my garage. And, you know, he's like, anything for Salinas. And that's another thing that brought it to the forefront. I was like, all right, this is my sign. I have to look into this case. Unfortunately, the guy in the movie who said that line passed away like a week ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, all right, this is the person. I got to do it. The actor or the The actor. Okay. The actor. So, all right. I think I'm going to do most of this from memory. I'm sorry if I fumble. Not really into reading right now. So I think we, we already talked a little bit about, you know, Selena started performing really, really young. You can, if you haven't seen the movie already, I'm sure. Where was she born? Uh, in Corpus Christi, Texas. Texas. Okay. Mm-hmm. Her dad was a performer when he was young, and her and her brother and sister uh, were part of a band called Selena and Los Dinos, which was a band that her father had put together, and the father uh, owned a restaurant in, in Texas. And this is like the this was like the perfect place for them to you know practice to do their shows to be in front of people. Uh, from, you know, what I read, it looks like Selena never had the, the jitters of being in front of people. She was always that kind of person that wanted to be in the spotlight, uh, was, knew her gift and wanted to share it. Comfortable on stage, yeah. So, um, things go pretty quickly because obviously she had a really short life. Um, she died at the age of 23. She... Broke into the music industry in the Texas community with Tejano music, which was, from what I've read and what she explained herself, is a mix of, like, German polka, <laughs> Mexican, like, band music. Yeah. Um, a bunch of brass, drums, mm-hmm. just, it's always a party type kind of music. Yeah. But it's also a mix of, like, country music, so it's all, it's a blend in... Uh, at this time, there was not a female artist doing that. Interesting. So okay. she kind of just skyrocketed in the area. As things started progressing, her fame started getting bigger and bigger. One of her, one of the things that she loved the most, apart from being a performer, was her fashion. Mm-hmm. So she liked being involved in not only saying what her costume should look like, but she designed some of her costumes. She worked hand-in-hand with her costume designer when she eventually got one um, to come up with these now infamous costumes or wardrobes that she had during her performances. So, um, for example, like that bustier in the movie, the white bustier with the pearls, that's something that she designed herself. Just, you know, she just wanted to be different. Almost a little avant-garde-ish, I would say. Yeah, I would agree with um, that. Ahead of her time, yeah, for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, and even now there's a Selena Museum in Texas that shows all of her, her costumes and her wardrobe. And some of them have like links and mirrors hung on them, like a shirt yeah. made out of that stuff. And I was like, holy shit, like in early 90s, this girl was way ahead of it. Right. And being super different, but fun at the same time. So she saw that people liked that, 
mm-hmm. and that they admired her clothing and you know these were pieces that were working for her so eventually part of her network or her part of her brand was to not only sing music but she started a boutique store i didn't realize that yeah it's called selena etc cute <laughs> yeah Really fun writing. It's almost like, um, and oh, I just noticed this. The the font for the Selena on the store is almost like the Justice store at the malls. You know, the oh, like, yeah. kid clothing store or like tween t- clothing store. I don't know what it is. But it's just it was just a fun place where it had not, of course, the exact garments that she wore, but something that resembled them inspired by inspired by um a lot of jewelry that she was um that she helped develop as well a lot of earrings and necklaces and you know just she was really just a creative she loved it Yeah. yeah absolutely and it took off so she had one store in, um, in her hometown, and then she had another store in San Antonio, Texas. Mm-hmm. So as her uh, celebrity kept growing, show their appreciation by cl- stuff with their face on it, by stuff with their name on it. Yeah. Just be be groupies, be fans, whatever you want right. to call it. So to one of these concerts, and this is how the person, the perpetrator in this crime comes into play. Her name is Yolanda Saldivar. And she admits, or this is what she says. I don't know if I believe two words that come out of this woman's mouth, but she said, and everyone notes this, that before she attended one of Selena's concerts, she did not like this Tejano branch of music. She only liked country music. Okay. She's both an English and Spanish speaker fluently. And... I thought that was interesting, and she said that she heard one of the songs, and she really liked it. She didn't know it was Selena at first, so her niece was like, oh, you like that song? Let's go to one of her concerts. And when she went to a live concert of Selena's, this is when she's like, I love her. She's so nice. She was just great on stage, and she was nothing but a concert goer at this point. Okay. So Yolanda Saldivar... um, and obviously from here on out, I'll just probably refer to her as her first name, Yolanda, was about 32 years old at the time when she first went to one of Selena's concerts, Mm -hmm. and she saw the potential for fan merch. She saw the potential for people wanting shirts with, you know, her name, her face, what have you. The story is that after the concert, she wanted to go buy some merch, but she couldn't find anywhere to buy it. Mm, I see where you're going. So with she this. had this idea mm-hmm. of, hey, let's start merch for you. Yeah. And she was very insistent about this. She tried contacting the father, which was the the patriarch of the family, the the dadager, if what he have was you. Today's Chris Jenner. Exactly. Yeah. He wanted to contact him and say, Hey, I have this idea of a fan club. Like if you want a fan club, I'll run it. And apparently it took several phone calls yeah. of her calling and leaving messages for him or at, with him before he called her back and be like, okay, what is it? What do you want? Right. Right? So eventually she pitched this idea of, hey, let me meet with you. I want to talk about a fan club. Mm-hmm. So eventually Selena, the dad, uh, I don't know who else might have been involved in this decision, but 
they conceded and they said, okay, you know what? Maybe by now's the time because she's getting ready for a crossover into English into the English world. Let's start merch. Let's mm-hmm. start a fan club. And at this, this was around the same time that she had the boutique already going. Yeah. So they they started the fan club. And the fan club, and you guys got to remember, this is like low tech, early nineties type of thing. So people would write in like a postcard their name, their address, and their fees for the fan club. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think they said 20 bucks to be a, a part of the, like an official fan club member. And the idea was that you sent in your postcard with your fees or your dues, and you would get like one t-shirt a year or something. Oh, it's like Patreon. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Except not on a tech platform. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, people started... Writing in, they wanted to be part of the fan club. And so that was the power of all that. The the dealings, the handling of all that was given to Yolanda to do. Over time, Selena started counting on her for more and more things. So they developed a relationship. They developed a friendship. Eventually, because everything seemingly was going right, Mm -hmm. they gave her the management role at the San Antonio Boutique. Okay. At one of the boutiques. There's reports that Yolanda was rude, mean, just straight nasty to the employees. Right. um, That she would fire who she didn't like Mm -hmm. and was rude to who she kept. Okay. And Selena, being the nice, cheerful person, she would... And she wanted to be involved in the business part of things as well. She would come into the boutiques, but Yolanda was, you know, breathing down her neck, keeping people from talking to her. And they, she wanted to be like that middle person and didn't let anyone like directly talk to her, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Eventually, people started telling their their gripes about her to Selena's dad. Okay. Because they didn't want to go to Selena with it because obviously they saw that they had a friendship. Yeah. So they went to, you know, the dad and or were telling him like, hey, you know, this is this is going on at the store or we've ordered so many things or we've told Yolanda that we need this in this inventory and that's not happening. Yeah. Oh, I will say, I'm sorry. Uh, I missed this. Yolanda before this was a registered nurse that worked... Uh, in people's homes for like hospice and stuff. Okay. So, and then when they asked her to be the manager at the boutique stores, she completely dropped her nurse job mm-hmm. to do this full time. Um, no one asked her to do that, but whatever. That's my opinion. <laughs> um, so she had no experience either, though, in managing like a store, like the yeah. finances, the inventory, what have you, the you know the HR part of it, the writing checks for people. So she didn't have any experience for this. And then after some time, people started, or vendors started getting bounced checks, um, and things weren't lining up right. And then some of the fans that had written in for the fan club saying, hey, it's been some time now, and we haven't gotten any of the merch we were promised. Right. They were calling the head of the corporation, the dad, to mm. tell him this, you know, like, hey, we're not getting anything. You're stealing from us. Yeah. Um, you know, Selena's company is stealing from us. That's the way they saw it. 
they weren't getting what they were promised. So, you know, some calls trickled in and of course they would check in with Yolanda like, hey, what's going on? I've got it handled. I've got it handled. That's what she would always say. So there's this one story from her costume maker, her costume designer, that he sent, he asked for some zippers. Of course, because Yolanda was the person to make those purchases or what have you, she's the one that was in charge of ordering these things, they would go to her house. So he sent his, you know, gopher to go get them from Yolanda's house and, or his assistant, I'm sorry, whatever. <laughs> but um, the assistant came back and reported to him like, yeah, I got the zippers, but you wouldn't believe what her house looks like. And it's like, an obsessed shrine he's like wall-to-wall -wall posters of Selena everywhere you look in Yolanda's house there is just like it's like a house full shrine to, to Selena that's creepy super creepy so he said he started getting the creeps out you know creeps on this mm -hmm. and so he expressed his feelings to the father as well and to the father who was already had a history of not being very trusting or just taking his time to build trust with people just mm -hmm. because he had kids in the music industry. Yeah, you, know, you have to be. He had to be, he had to vet everyone or vet everything before it came across to their kids, yeah. right? He at first confronted Yolanda and was like, hey, first of all, fans are not getting their merch that's promised. The bank accounts don't look right for how many people say they've signed up for the fan club. Vendors at the boutique stores are not getting paid. And then now also employees are getting their checks bounced for their payments. Like their salaries are not getting paid. So yeah. what the fuck is going on? Right. And Yolanda's like, I don't know what's going on. What are you talking about? Give me a day. I'm going to go get all the bank records. Like, we'll sit down. We'll talk about this. We'll straighten it all out. Of course, that never happens. You know, things get busy. Selena, at this time, was working on franchising her boutique store and was going to open, open one in Mexico as well. Mm -hmm. So what happened um, in between this time, though, uh, it was Selena's birthday. And all of the employees, albeit not happy at their situation with Yolanda, they knew it wasn't with Selena. So they all pulled from both stores. They pulled their money together because they wanted to buy her a really nice gift. Mm -hmm. And Selena at her home had a really big Fabergé egg collection. Really? Which is really weird for a young person. Yeah. <laughs> but the way I imagine it is that if you think about it, just like the embellishments and the intricacies almost translated into her costumes as well. You know that what I mean? That would make sense, yeah. So I, that's just my own conclusion. She just liked maybe the delicacy or the mm -hmm. time that went into these eggs. So anyways, apparently she had this huge Fabergé egg collection at home. And the gift that the employees wanted to gift her was a ring. And it's hmm, this day and age, maybe a gaudy looking ring. It's a big gold ring, um, square up top with a miniature Fabergé egg on top. Aww. Thoughtful, yeah. right? So she could have a little part of her collection everywhere she went. Yolanda passed it off as her own gift, though. 
Oh, that bitch. She yeah. shouldn't have been included in it to begin with. Exactly. Yeah, they pulled all their money together and Yolanda said, nope, I got you this. It's our, you know, it's our friendship ring. So uh, Selena put it on, took it, and thought of it as that, as mm-hmm. a, a symbol of their friendship. Like, it's a very thoughtful gift. Yeah. There's some promo shots with her with that ring on, which is weird to think about now. Yeah. Um, more to come on that ring. So, eventually, the dad, the brother, and Selena all sat down. They called in Yolanda. And this was, I believe, early March of 1995. This was when everything was coming, was building. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we've got records now. Money's gone missing. There's, you know, both boutique stores are doing so well that we shouldn't be in the hole. We should be in the black. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. Where is the money? Reportedly, they had this meeting and same thing. Yolanda's like, okay, I'll get all the bank records. I'll show you that it's not me. And she tried to say that it was one of her sisters that was cashing the checks and faking her signature on them. Yeah. But no one but her had access to these bank accounts. Okay. So no one else's signature would have been able to work on these checks. Okay. The dad told her at this point, you're fired. Yeah. Or we're going to have to let you go. I don't know if those were the exact words. Of course, we don't know what happened in that boardroom, but we need to go our separate ways. Something's not lining up from, you know, you're not explaining anything. But meanwhile, Selena had this huge heart and she still trusted her to the point where she's like, okay, you're already helping me with mm-hmm. the Mexico franchise. Oh we'll gosh. let you go for the U.S. dealings, but please help me finish with the, with the Mexico store. Because she's been the liaison going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Again, she spoke, she's bilingual, so she was an asset when it comes to, you know, building relations with another country that mm-hmm. speaks that language anyway. So, Selena kept her on, I think unbeknownst to her parent her dad that she was still going to be helping with the Mexico deal and this is where the timeline goes even quicker so from the time that she was sat down and said hey we found you out you're embezzling money I think it was to the tune of $30,000 then Yolanda went and bought a gun Mm -hmm. at a store called a place to shoot Wow. And she bought a small caliber handgun revolver. Mm-hmm. The story with the gun store, what she told them, also, you don't need to explain yourself, but, you know, when you're about to do something wrong, you probably overtalk. Anyway, she told them that because she was an in-home nurse, she had a client whose family was upset because they were nearing their the end And they had threatened her, so she wanted to be protected. It was one or two days she returned the gun. Hmm. No reason. One or two days later, went back and bought it. Okay. So. So it's like she almost, like, talked herself out of it. Exactly. So she bought it along with hollow point bullets, which, for those that are not um, pew pew fans, we, um, 
hollow points are meant to do damage. The the jacket on them is meant to open and almost flower out, so their initial oh, okay. impact is going to be bigger than, you know, straight through kind of thing. Okay, got it. Um, and they also, because it's shattered metal or open, flowered up metal, as it's going through the body or through... Leave shrapnel. It, not shrapnel, but it'll shred more. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, she bought this gun. And then meanwhile, Selena had one of her huge, now iconic, of course, concerts, because it was her last concert. It was at the Astrodome in Texas, um, where she wears that crisscross purple outfit mm-hmm. with the bell bottoms. And it's just, it's a beautiful outfit. I but, remember that outfit. So she did that concert. And then meanwhile, Yolanda was in Mexico and she had come back. Selena was set to record with her family on that morning of March 31st. Yolanda called her and said, can you meet me at the Days Inn? I want to, you know, talk to you. And Selena's like, okay, well, I need a copy of all the bank records that you've been promising. Also, there's samples to some of the materials that she wanted for dresses and costumes that Yolanda had a hold of. So Selena wanted all that back. Yolanda called her and said, yeah, you know, can you meet me at the Days Inn? It's really important that you come alone. So it goes back and forth on whether or not she told Selena come by yourself or not. Yeah. She says that she didn't. She says that Selena interpreted it that way. We'll never know. Yeah. We'll never know. So anyway, so Selena goes by herself knowing that she's in a time crunch because she has a recording set for later that that morning. Mm-hmm. But then when Selena gets to the days in at the hotel where Yolanda's at, Yolanda tells her the story that she had just flown back in from Mexico, but mm. that while she was in Mexico, that she was beat up by guys with a bat and was raped, and that she was bleeding. And Jesus. Ac- and according to her, that she was still wearing the same clothes she was still wearing when this happened. A whole flight later, mind you. Right. So, Selena being the person that she was... Still caring, you know, even though someone may have wronged her. Right. Just sweet, almost innocent person. She's also the symbol of the white rose, which is why her family used that too uh, a lot. The white rose because of its innocence. So Selena took her into the hospital to get checked out. Yolanda told her that she was bleeding a lot, you know, and they did a full like rape kit they did a whole test they did they took off her the clothes that she was wearing that morning and they took pictures of that and I'll show you pictures of it they took pictures of her like collarbone area her forearm where she says she had been struck by a bat not the signs you would show when you would be beat up by a bat her body was clear there was no bruises, no marks, no red marks, no abrasions of any kind, no open cuts or anything. Also, the nurses in front of Selena, because Selena was in the room with her, told her, like, well, you're not bleeding now. What are you talking about? Yeah. So, um, and the clothes and the holes from where the, you know, 
bat had struck her or where there was a struggle, you can very, I mean, I'm not a detective, guys, but you can tell they've been cut by a motherfucking scissor. Like, they're just like, a, you know, cut here, a cut there. They're not cuts not that happen from a struggle, right? Yeah. They're not tears. Selena, uh, one of the nurses recalls that after she left the room with both of them, Yolanda was getting packed, you know, getting dressed again, and Selena walked out, and she walked by one of the rooms where the nurse was taking notes and doing all this stuff, and she said, do you believe her? And the nurse, being a, you know, professional, said, you know, honey, it's not my job to believe her. If she says she is, then we're going to proceed like she has been raped and, and, and beaten, so... But she kind of just shrugged at her. Saying, Selena knew. Yeah. Right. So she knew that something was up. I think the, what, you know, what people are, what people have said and speculate are that this was Yolanda's last stitch at for effort of getting some kind of sympathy from Selena and to keep her from firing her from the last, you know, yeah. thread she had with her. So... Selena's plan was to drop her back off at the hotel, mm-hmm. pick up the briefcase with the samples, the receipts, and all the bank records, and then go to the recording studio. At this point, she was cutting it close. So I think one of her family members had called and said, hey, are you coming? Are you, you know, are you close to the studio? The studio was close to there, but she wasn't there yet. This is where there's, you know, there's speculation, um of what we for sure know as far as the evidence, what Yolanda says happened, and then what the public thinks happened. The evidence shows that there is the revolver in Yolanda's hand and Selena was shot facing out the open door in the hotel room. So Selena was right at the threshold with the door open facing outwards and there was a a single shot by her upper right shoulder area. So she was shot in the back. She was shot in the back. The jacket of the bullet was found in the room, but the actual bullet that would have gone through her was never found. There's blood splatter on the door, you know, confirming that the door was open. There's a lot of crime scene photos on this, guys, that I had never even seen because I was so young, that show what happened afterwards, which is Selena took a... Right after she was shot, she had her purse over her right shoulder, her cell phone in her hand, and a briefcase in her left hand. You ask me, that's ready to leave. Yeah. And after she got shot, there's a trail of her purse, her phone, and that briefcase all at three different points as she was jo- running towards the lobby of the hotel room. She ran into the lobby of the hotel room, and this is where the front desk people, two of them, called 911, and they pulled the registration card um, and told them, you know, what room she had come out of, and there's witnesses that say that As soon as they heard the shot, they looked outside, they saw Selena running, and they saw Yolanda still pointing her gun at Selena. Didn't shoot again. Yeah. I'm going to play to you the 911 calls. Okay. 911, what is your location? Uh, 
Jason Mattel, it's 901 Navigation Boulevard. Post on you. We have a woman ran in the lobby, said she's been shot. She's laid on the floor and there's blood. And remember, okay. where are you? How old is she? She looks about 20. Okay, who saw her? From where? She's in the lobby right now? Yes. So at least the the front desk people had you know the frame of mind to. That's pretty thorough to, to do on a. Yeah, pull the registration card for the room and give a name of at least who would be the suspect in the case, and then. One of those things, unfortunately, fortunately, it didn't get caught on on the recordings for the nine one one video, um, sorry nine one one call, but Selena obviously collapsed. Um, right, right in the lobby. She lost consciousness. But right before she did, her last words were, Yolanda, room 158. Oh, wow. So she had... These are really, like, they're thinking. Yeah. She's really thinking, like... Very clear-headed. Uh, you know, it... <sighs> I'm sorry, if I get shot, you bet your ass my last words are going to be who shot me. <laughs> the name of who shot me and where they're at. So... I, I watched one of the interviews for the front desk people, the guy that was there. He said that, you know, they saw her running towards the lobby. She came in, she collapsed, and they were afraid because obviously she looked scared that someone was still chasing her with a gun because she came in running like if someone was still chasing right. her. She ran a total of 130 yards. So about 400 feet, she ran from the front from the room that they were in to the lobby. The coroner said that the running, unfortunately, is what made her have extensive blood loss. So her trying to save herself. Yeah. Yep. So her trying to save herself is not ultimately, but definitely sped up things. 
Um, the paramedics were there within two minutes. So super, super quick. Mm-hmm. And because of that second 911 call where they had the frame of mind to say, you know, there is a suspect on the premises, what have you, they sent police along with the paramedics. So between the time that Selena got to the lobby and they were calling for help. I think that would be procedure anyway, though, with a gunshot. Probably. Yeah. They, um, but they knew what room to go to at least. Or yep. to, you know, be looking out for. There's a witness that says that Yolanda, after she saw Selena running away, she kind of just stood at the threshold calmly at the threshold of the door. Yeah. And then just went back in and went into her car and started driving away. Ooh. But all that she could do, I don't know if this was just in the stupor of after just shooting someone. Mm-hmm. She drove to the back of the parking lot where it was a dead end. By that time, the cops pulled in, closed her in, so she had nowhere to go. Wow. So, so she, she's not as well thought out as no. everybody else. So she had initially gone back into the hotel room, wrapped the gun in a towel, went back out to her car, pulled out to the back parking lot, and got stuck there. Mm-hmm. This led to a nine and a half hour standoff with her sitting in her car, pointing the gun to her head and saying she was going to pull it. The FBI negotiator got called in, Hobbs. Mm-hmm. Really funny. I just saw the pictures and I don't remember this because they did show this like live as it was happening. There was, <laughs> there's no, I mean, there was cell phones at the time. But they had to like super old school and basically like a modern can phone. There was like a cord leading up to the truck that she was in where mm-hmm. she had one end of the phone and the and the, inter- and the negotiator had the other end. So it was like a like a two way phone. There was no other there's no cell phone. So I'm going to play to you some of some of the beginning moments, I think, of the standoff where she was starting to have communication with Larry, the the negotiator. Some of it is not audible. Okay. Uh, it just doesn't make sense because she is sobbing. But I think it's clear enough to where she is. When she is speaking, you can tell what she says. Okay. And then I'll, I'll, of course, put links to these videos so you guys can see them yourself and hear them. Because it does have um, closed captioning at the bottom to make sense of what's happening. Okay. For the most part, at least at the beginning, there is some inaudible parts. Okay. Now, I'm using this, this type of newfangled phone that's got, like, a line to it. It's like two tin cans talking back and forth. Yolanda, do you have a gun in the truck? How did you my head? No, don't do that, Yolanda. Point the gun down. Lay the gun on the floor. I can't. Larry. What? that she hears on the radio that 
Selena is declared dead. interesting she's sobbing for most of it um it isn't until nine and a half hours from her being the truck and then the negotiations started that eventually one of the negotiators isaac i believe is his name um is who convinced her to come out and as you heard it in the audio it isn't until they bring up the possibility of they told her, I think that the words are like, you know, guns happen, you know, gu guns go off all the time. We understand things happen. There's accidents that she doesn't bring up the keyword accident mm -hmm. um, because she's saying it was an accident. Right. So to give you a better recap of what she said now in interviews and what her official quote unquote story is, is that, and again, this is Yolanda's side of things. So she said that she called Selena into the room, they went to the hospital, they did all the stuff, they came back, and that Selena was looking for stuff in one of the satchels that Yolanda had, and she shook out the bag, and there was the gun, and Selena's like, why do you have a gun? And Yolanda was like, well, your dad's accusing me of all these things, and of embezzlement, and I don't, you know, it's not true, and, you know, you're my friend, and all these things, I'm gonna kill myself. So... Okay. Yolanda's story is that she cocked the gun, and this is a revolver, so um, you have to cock it for every bullet. So she said she cocked the gun, she put it to her right temple, and Selena was walking out. I don't think someone would walk out if a friend is going to kill themselves. Yeah. Um, but she was telling Selena don't close the door, don't close the door. And her story is that with her hand on the gun, she used the gun to, to point. point at the door and say, don't close the door, don't close the door. And that's when the gun went off. 
she said she doesn't remember it. She says she doesn't remember the, the actual the shot or the blood. There's lots of blood. She's kind of in this fog right afterwards mm-hmm. of like, you know, getting her gun. She didn't get any of her other belongings from the room and then went to the truck. That's her official story. That was an accident. And part of the defenses, uh, not defenses, but the prosecuting team's stories or the way that they presented this or confirmed that it wasn't an accidental shooting was that that specific type of gun took 11 pounds of pressure to pull the trigger. It wasn't a hair trigger type of thing. Um, It wasn't something that would accidentally go off. Mm -hmm. So that theory goes out the window. It wasn't. It has to be intentional. It has to be intentional. Even if she had been pointing at the door, it was dead center of her body. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of thing of her of her mass instead of, you know, off to the door or something. So the motive, though, is what baffles everyone because mm-hmm. we don't know what the motive is. I remember, and this is firsthand, that a lot of the speculation was that she was a a lesbian and wanted to be loved by Selena, but didn't, that love wasn't reciprocated. Mm -hmm. So that was maybe a motive. Um, obviously the other motive was just obsessed fan gone too far. So, so here's my question. Sure. Cause she said that she wasn't into that kind of music and then she went to the Selena concert and then she became a fan Mm -hmm. and then she saw an opportunity for merch. And so I'm wondering is she really a fan that saw an opportunity or is she an opportunist who became a fan? Like, I don't know. saw her in concert was like, I could make money off of this person. I don't know, because someone in one of the interviews, they even asked her, like, why did you leave your profession, your full-blown profession of being a nurse behind yeah. to do something that at first you didn't know was going to be steady or lucrative or whatever? Right. And she said it was for the... For the you know the love of the artist and for the love of the merch and all this stuff so she said it was because she liked doing that and she wanted to do something fun with her life that before this it all had been study hard work hard type of thing it was really weird i have a friend who's been um telling me you know you gotta do selena case you gotta do selena case and it wasn't until recently she's like dude yolanda was now our age when she did this oh wow isn't that it blew my mind i was like holy shit this troll looking bitch looks (laughs) she's our age (laughs) like i can't imagine being at this age and being so like disgruntled and so unhappy or i mean i can't imagine being obsessed with someone that to that point either but it also makes me very uncomfortable when it's like someone so significantly younger Uh like because you're like what the hell did you do with your i know it's not that significantly younger when we're talking about adults but like how old was Selena when they actually met? And it's still, like, a pretty big age gap. Right. And you're not going to find me fangirling over, like, Lil Justin exactly. Bieber or anything like she that. she was, um, I think, 22 when they met. Or 21 or 22. And then Selena was 23 when she passed away. And Yolanda was 32 when they met and 34 when she killed her. So, um, yeah, just pretty seems... big age gap. Yeah. Um, especially at Selena's young age. Well, and especially thinking about it now as, like, we are that age. Right. And looking at somebody that's, like, like, I can't imagine, like, getting all that hung up on, like, some young artist at Uh this stage. No. No. No, no. So, she denies the allegations of, you know, being um, in love with Selena past being just a fan. 
So really ominous moment though that I will mention that I did not know until I did the research now was that in the ambulance ride when one of the paramedics uh, was trying to find a place to put in the IV in her arm, her left hand was clutched. It was in her hand was the ring with the Fabergé egg. Mm. And when she unclutched it, because they were, you know, they usually flatten out your hand to find a vein or whatever, um, there was the ring and it fell onto the ambulance floor. So, coming back to that egg, because Selena had promised Yolanda, like, I'll never take it off, it's a sign of our friendship, all these things, the theory is that because it was in her hand, Selena was, A, letting her go completely. Mm-hmm. And two, might have taken the ring off, obviously, ending that friendship. And that was the trigger moment for Yolanda. Maybe Selena was giving it back. Interesting. So, Or taking it off as a symbol of ending the friendship type thing. It's like ending an engagement. Kind of. Yeah, take the ring off. To her, to someone that's obsessed, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that was her, her, you know, her trigger point. And that's when she literally shot her in the back. Who? I don't think that's an accident. No, I don't think so either. So she was prosecuted and they took manslaughter off the table. They took um, aggravated murder off the table. They prosecuted her specifically and only in first degree. Okay. Um, Because... Um, and they moved the venue from her hometown where this happened to Houston um, to give her a better chance because obviously everyone Corpus Christi, she was like a hometown hero. She was, yeah. you know. So they moved the venue. Ultimately, uh, I think they deliberated for three hours, which is as short as the last one. Um, no, and, the last one was 49 minutes. Oh, that's really fast. Okay, yeah. so this one was three hours deliberation. Um, and they, they were pushing it to get lunch. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, and they gave her a life sentence. She is up for parole or can file for parole or eligible for for parole. She's like, Um, gotta be like right around 50. 50? Because it's been 25 years. Yeah. Um, so So 55. She's up for parole in 2025. Okay. On Selena's date of death, which is weird. That's not um, okay. And she can, the first day that she can file for parole is April 1st. So, fuck me if that's not the funniest thing ever. I'm like, <laughs> no, bitch, you can't file. No, no. one's going to let you out. No. Um, she's done some very controversial interviews um, in the Spanish TV world. And the one that I was just watching as you came in was one that she did with a interviewer called Maria Celeste. She's a notable person, like I said, in the Spanish TV world, but very hard hitting questions and to the point, no, no bullshitting. Right. She's like, no, did you kill her? Why did you kill her? Like, you know, the questions that everyone's asking. Yeah. And Yolanda has this mm, way about her where she's like. I know what I did. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I have no regrets. Like I did nothing wrong. It was an accident. She's very, she. 
Well, she's not going out on parole she, then. No. Because I think you um, have to admit to your crime stuff. Probably. Um, so then she pulls out a letter that she said, because at first uh, the interviewer's like, why, why now? I think this was like the 10 year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, why now? Why do you want to speak? What's going on? And she's like, I had a dream. Selena came to me in a dream. Selena oh always comes to me every night. And she, and she's like, I had this letter arrive to me in prison and it was unmarked and it was, um, you know, it felt like it was from Selena and all these things. And she's like, I died because of the secret that I was holding for Selena and no one but me and her and her husband know the secret, which is really weird that she got the husband involved in all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and she read the letter and it was something like, it's okay, you can tell the truth. I don't want you to have to live with a burden anymore and all these things. And just like psychotic type things, like things she's made up herself. I don't mean that in just like, oh, I think she's crazy. And we're like, I actually think there's something wrong with her. Obviously, I'd be so angry if I was the so, family watching oh, people watching her like be an opportunist and intention seeking. Yep. yep, it's it's truly the awful. most infuriating thing ever. So then, um, she says that she won't reveal the secret up until until she comes up for appeal because that's what's gonna help her get that probation. So this is you know for so twenty twenty five comes around. April 1st, I think we're all going to be listening to see what the fuck she's saying the secret was. I don't think there was any type of secret. No. But to her, she's justified that she said that, you know, it was a, it was a, an accident. She didn't kill herself and she's thought about suicide while she's in jail, but that Selena comes into her head or she has dreams saying, no, you can't. I like, hate that. All these things. So she's. Selena's not visiting you. No. Um, so yeah, life in prison, um, there was a rumor, I think like five years ago that she had been found dead in her cell. That's, it made its rounds, but it's not true. She's still alive and well, she's still kicking. Um, and let me tell you, if she were ever to get out, (laughs) there's probably some people that would make sure she didn't anything for Salinas anything for Salinas (laughs) honestly so that was the case the story of Selena Quintanilla beloved artist very well done thank you thank you I'm glad you covered that one thank you you told me a lot of things that I had no idea about I actually I had no idea there was a standoff afterwards yeah. that's news nine to me. hours yeah that's, that's, that's brutal. pretty intense yeah um and that, oh. like all these things had happened leading because like in the movie it's like she goes to the hotel room gunshot boom and like it's done right you don't hear all the background right um oh and that that brings me back to some of the outtakes so in some of the outtakes from scenes that didn't make it to the movie there's a Mm -hmm. scene where jennifer lopez who's portraying selena is at one of her concerts getting ready and i think they hint to the relationship with yolanda in the movie very very subtly yeah they acknowledge it but they don't harp on it exactly they'll uh, you have to be looking for it if like the looks that she shoots at people when they're talking to selena or Mm -hmm. talking about her um, but one of these outtakes is uh, Selena falls over or trips over some wires in the, on the stage. And 
she, you know, she's walking away from a group of people. She's walking towards Yolanda. She falls and trips, um, almost at Yolanda's feet. And like Selena looks up for help and Yolanda's just blankly staring at her like Mm -hmm. glad she fell type of thing and it wasn't until like that group of people that was behind her came to help her that Yolanda like snapped out of it and was like oh Selena let's get you an ice pack you know all these things yeah something it, it, it was I think to show something was going on intention there yeah um, like to cause her harm. Yeah. Um, premeditation. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I like though that they, they kept the movie about Selena. Yes. And not the murder of Selena. Right. And like this person doesn't need to take more of no that story away from her. So but let me tell you, if you're into, um, I'm fascinated by the interviews because it's so weird to see people completely disassociate from something or you know place blame on other things other than themselves or people other than themselves um but she's done a lot of interviews she seems at peace with what she's done and she blames everything and anything but herself for it oh yeah um so they're really interesting to watch but there's also there's been i think american justice did an episode on it 2020 has done an episode on it yeah um something on hln said an episode on it so lots of episodes out there there's uh, a lot of spanish tv episodes that um have happened like i said i think as far as true crime in the spanish community or the spanish-speaking community um this is the one that's gotten the most attention a she was a beloved artist um two it's not something that the Spanish speaking community is a lot into, but they just needed answers. Yeah. And now this mini series that's coming out, but it'd be interesting to see what they focus on. Obviously I think it's going to be the life of, mm-hmm. um, instead of, you know, the last couple of, of weeks or months leading up to this event. But, um, it's just interesting to see not how the signs were missed, mm-hmm. um, but how they were not acted on. Um, because some people saw the obsession almost yeah. right away. Um, and some people thought it was just her strict way of managing or, you know, being careful for Selena or what have you. So I forgot where I was going with all this. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know. So lots of crime scene photos, photos that I hadn't even seen. Um, we'll be posting those on the group page. Just because there there is blood in these pictures and those are not always um, welcome or allowed on other platforms. So we'll be posting those on the group page. I invite you to go check them out. It's really interesting to see. Um, there's a graphic interpretation that um, Univision or Univision did of her um, trajectory while she was running, where the blood splatter was. So... If you liked Dexter and like the blood splatter analysis, you're going to like to see these pictures. Um, But yeah, there's that. You know what we haven't talked about, which reminded me by the interviews? Hmm. Um, The Chris Watts thing. Have you watched that? Oh, yeah. The new one? Yep. Uh, Because I think it came out 
in the last month, so you and I haven't talked about it. So um, I would say to anyone who is interested in that one to go listen to or go watch Bailey Sarian on Mm -hmm. YouTube. She covers this case and a lot of the things about um, his his little side piece or whatever, Mm -hmm. they completely skipped over that. Oh, absolutely. there's a lot of evidence that indicates that she knew what was going on, that she might have even been... Not necessarily part of it, but definitely part of the conversations about mm-hmm. it leading up to it. And nobody said a word about that in the Netflix yeah. special. Um, and I'm also just, like, not really a fan of listening to somebody narrate their own death. Dude. That's that very unsettling to me. Two minutes in, I was, I paused it and I was like, Kara, like, is she going to narrate up to her, like, up to their death? And I was like, if they did this, this is a very interesting perspective because A, no one's done this. Yeah. The fact that we're this day and age where there's a lot of videos, you know, on social media that they have the content to put this together. It was just so eerie. Well, and she, she was clearly part of an MLM. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know, it's a multi-level marketing company. Um, where she was, like, selling some type of product. So I don't know if that was, like, Beachbody or um, Rodan and Fields or something like that. But she was obviously part of something like that. And so one of, the, like, the strategies that you use in an MLM is things like, you know, all of your videos. Putting you, yourself yeah, out there. Yeah, you really right. do. You put yourself out there. You make yourself relatable. And people, like, like mm-hmm. you. And so then they want to buy from you. And so it's like all these videos that normally people wouldn't have, she Mm -hmm. has because... She put herself out there. Yeah. You know, never in her wildest dreams did we, or her dreams or my dreams, that we think this is going to narrate her her life, her kid's life. Um, And I, not that I didn't like, but I always expect more of shows like this. Like I really love and I've done a lot of deep dives into the psychology or into the science of the body language that he displayed yeah right after because there's the body cam from the cop there's There's, like hours of that yeah and there's like a youtube three-parter or something that analyzes his body language just the body language from him showing up to the house with the cop outside saying hey can we come in to them being in the house Finding Air her quotes, cell phone. searching, right. Yeah. Him going um, over to the neighbor's house to look at the security footage, all that kind of stuff. Or when the cop is asking him questions and how he responds, oh my gosh, I love watching or that. Or his like public plea for them to return yep. his family. It was yep. like, why are you smiling, sir? So, um, if you haven't looked those up already, I totally invite you to do that. Um, maybe someday we'll cover Chris Watts. Obviously, it's it's fresh on everyone's minds. Um, it's on the list. It's definitely on the list. Um, so, yeah, there's that. We okay. That was a new show called American Murder. Yes, that sounds right. Yeah. So, that was uh, Netflix. Yes. Um, I do have a what the Florida today. Do you? Yes. Dun, dun, dun. So in today's WTF, what the Florida, a Florida man was arrested after a meltdown because there was no lettuce for his checkers sandwich. <laughs> for his what sandwich? His checkers. Have you checkers re- sandwich. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. The opening <laughs> sentence is, let us calm you down, sir. <laughs> I love a good pun. This is from the Daily News. Oh, that's hilarious. 
says Henry Ars Caballero, 49, has been hit with misdemeanor charges of disorderly conduct in an establishment as well as resisting an officer without violence for an incident late <laughs> Wednesday when he hit the windows of a Tampa Bay area checkers restaurant. A criminal complaint notes that the man who was yelling and screaming at employees who then had fear for their safety resulted because authorities said he was upset that the store had no more lettuce for his sandwiches. Jesus Christ. As some of you may know, we are experiencing a lettuce shortage here in the United States. Are we really? Yeah. Yeah, we actually are. Oh my God. Because Chick-fil-A <laughs> put up a thing about not using lettuce on their sandwiches right now because of the shortage. So That's hilarious. I get the alert every time I open oh up the app. Oh my God. <laughs> every time I open up the app. Just never for me. Multiple times a day. Or not a day, a week. Multiple times okay. a week, okay? <laughs> Cops arrived to the scene around 11.30 p.m. to find him sitting in his car, denying the allegations and refusing to identify himself. <laughs> All over freaking lettuce. That's funny. Thank you for keeping me entertained, Florida. <laughs> oh, Florida. All right, guys. So check out the Facebook. The Spacebook? Facebook. Not my space. Not my no. Spacebook. For... I was thinking, like, my space. <laughs> Got it. For <laughs> stories, suggestions, comments, anything like that, you can email us a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at a stranger danger podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, which is stranger danger colon a true crime podcast, or join the group again to see all the exclusive pics at stranger danger colon murder lovers. And you can find us on Twitter using the handle at SD true crime pod. Thank you so much, you guys. Have a good night. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>